0: Okay, this is Mose Allison, and you're listening to Radio Eight Ball with Andros Jones.
1: Radio 8 Ball, give us a shake. We're in the studio tempting fate, wherever you are putting questions to the songs which we will randomly select here with the help of our friend synchronicity now it's time for radio eight ball give us a shake radio eight ball give us a shake it's the radio eight ball show
2: hey Welcome back to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions, like picking musical tarot cards. I'm your host, Andras Jones, hanging out in Skylar's Basement in Olympia, Washington, right next to the graveyard on December 12th with David Rovix. David. Andras, lovely to be here across from the graveyard, but people should really see the graveyard. It's a lovely graveyard. Yeah, it's a beautiful graveyard. I used to walk, when I was a kid, I was a pretty depressed, lonely kid, and I used to walk through that particular graveyard and ah. talk to the graves. Oh, wonderful. anyway, Did you wear black and have spiderwebs? No, no, I wasn't a goth kid. Uh-huh. I just was a, just a, a, a bummed out yeah. adolescent. But now we are joined in the studio by a guest, someone I've known for a few years. She's an author. Who lives in Olympia and writes and travels all over the world to talk about what she writes about? She's gonna tell us about that here. Ilana Freeland, welcome to Radio 8 Ball.
3: Thank you, Andras. It's always a pleasure.
2: And be- just before, just as you came in here, you were saying that you actually have a memory of our last guest, Jim Page. Do you oh, want yes. To share it? Yeah.
3: Yes, when I lived in Seattle, I was there eight years. This is years ago before I moved to Olympia. There was a neighborhood party, and it was loud. And I thought, I'm just going to go over there and see what's going on. So I went in, and I saw Jim Page. I totally recognized him because I'd listened to him down at Pike Place Market many times. And I thought, definitely a crush. I definitely had a crush on him. (laughs) So then I thought, okay, I'm just going to kind of sneak around and see what he does. I didn't want him to see me. I didn't want him to meet me. I didn't want to meet him. I just wanted to watch. And that's the night that I watched him put the make on a young woman that I also (laughs) knew.
2: Oh, man. So
3: I watched the whole thing unfold. And being a writer, I was, of course, running a dialogue and running the whole thing in my mind as a narrative. Uh, And I just watched his style. Oh. Of course, you know, he had a name. Yeah. So the people with a name don't need to work as hard as the people who... Don't have a name, even if they're
2: <laughs> depends what their name is. Gorgeous. Depends what that name is. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. Satan. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so anyway, uh, he never saw me, or I don't know if he saw me there, but he didn't know who I was, and uh, I stayed really late. And watched them go off, and the next morning I went to my favorite breakfast place, and lo and behold, they were there. <laughs>
2: Good on you, Jim. Good detective. And her. we knew
0: yeah.
3: what they were up to. Well, that's why I'm a writer. I'm an investigator. <laughs> By the way, Andres, you didn't mention that the graveyard across the street is a Freemason graveyard. Yeah, a Freemason. And I was thinking yeah. of your book. Accidental and that's how you and I met, yeah. was because you wrote that book.
2: Accidental Initiations in the Kabbalistic Tree of Olympia: A book about uh, the Kabbalistic tree built into the uh, architecture of the city of Olympia by the Freemasons who founded it. And mm-hmm. there's this big Kabbalistic tree that's a, an amazing walking map of the tree that is fantastic for. And when I met you, you
3: were yeah. you were running it. Yeah, you we're running it. Oh,
2: I still run it. I yes. still run it, but I don't. I don't take people on tours anymore. I, I guess I would, but.
3: But but can yeah. I tell the story of meeting you? Because oh, yeah. Because you may not remember, you were working at the bar. Oh, yeah. Downtown. That,
2: yeah, that, that, that place.
3: And uh, I had sat down because I had just, uh, my book had been, second book had been published, and I was celebrating to have one glass of wine, big drinker. And uh, I mentioned to you, you are this lovely bartender. I said, yeah, and I, I, I just had a book published. Well, congratulations, you said, or something like that, and You said, uh, you turned around, and you said, I've got a book, (laughs) and you pulled it off the shelf, and I had read that book twice (laughs) in order to take notes on the Kabbalistic, and I'd walked it to see where you were talking about in town, because I knew that the Freemasons had started Olympia and just about every town west of the Mississippi just about every town because yeah. i did a paper a big study for evergreen when i was there so uh so i i just i was flabbergasted <laughs> that i had met the author and since then you've been special to me well
2: synchronicity that's it it's a beautiful thing that's a beautiful, it. Thing. That's it a beautiful it. thing you are the only person who read the book twice though i, think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like if you, you I, i'm not cold. even sure my editor read it twice <laughs> Oops. Um, yeah, exactly. No, no. Sorry, Alan. I'm sure you, you you read it. I know you read it more than twice. Well, let's talk about your about your writing. Now, you write. How do you how do you des- how do you describe?
3: Well, first of all, I have to say that, somewhat like you, I've lost almost all my friends in Olympia <laughs> because of what I've written.
2: Oh yeah. Well, we've ta- yeah. We we're, were this is a theme. This is a theme today. We were talking about it. before. Yes. We, yeah.
3: um, I've been here off and on for 30 years. I went away for 10, lived in England, lived in Santa Fe, came back because my outrageously wonderful grandson lives here. He's 17. And um,
2: And I bet a big fan. He's a he's an activist kid. I bet he's, he's an he's, activist. But he's a fan he's of music. He's a big-time yeah. activist.
3: Yeah, yeah. Very admirable person. Does not cuss, does not drink. Uh, I don't know what else he doesn't do. But anyway, um, so... I did research for years. I'm a 60s person. I was involved in the street riots in Berkeley. Uh, I was uh, at the Bank of America in UC Santa Barbara when I saw the FBI agents pull gas canisters out and burn the bank to the ground and then blame the student leaders and watch them go to prison. And I didn't, I'm very grateful that I did not tell the FBI what I had seen because my life would probably be very different And I, when I was, later when I was older and I'd started Waldorf schools and all kinds of things, I had a dream of the year 2019. And I could see it in big red numbers, just giant in the sky as if the sky was on fire. And when I woke up from the dream, I was breathless and I knew um, I had to write something because in 2019, something big was going to happen. That's how I felt. And I'm the granddaughter of a Romanian gypsy, a Roma, and she taught me to always respect dreams and uh, the imagination. So I started writing a book I thought it was going to be one book, but it turned out it took four books.
2: This is the Sub-Rosa. Sub
3: Rosa America series. And we're talking 20 years I worked on that series. And um, I'm not... I don't mean worked on it like... Uh, as people always say, I'm working on a book and it's like five years down the road. No, 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 no. I This was like automatic writing. I just could not write fast enough, but I had to do 10 years of research in order to know about that underbelly of America and what had happened to America since Kennedy's assassination. Now, I'm the person, I've told this story many times on many radio shows. I met Kennedy when I was 16 years old in the Rose Garden. I was at Girls' Nation. Bill Clinton was there. He was at Boys' Nation. I was a top 10 uh, go, go, go kind of person at that time before the 60s hit me in the face. And um, I adored Kennedy. I mean, I didn't even know why and I didn't really care why. I I certainly was not political and didn't have a bunch of facts. I sat beside him because he said I looked like his wife and I became an overnight celebrity for my 15 minutes of fame. And, uh, And then when he was killed four months later, shot down like a dog in Dallas, I was invited back by the civic groups that had paid for my previous trip. And I had to give talks in rooms filled with sobbing Americans. And that was really the beginning of my politicizing. It wasn't about parties. It wasn't about being liberal or conservative. It was really about the death of someone that I adored for I didn't even know why. And also, I might add, very weirdly, I felt like I had known him before when I was sitting beside him. So that was sort of the, the, the cornerstone, if I could use a Freemason term, the cornerstone of my novels, which I decided to write them in fictional format because I wanted to comment on America, but I have tons of history in it. I'm sure Howard Zinn would agree that it belonged right on the shelf next to his fantastic book, The People's History of the United States of America. And... It took a long time the research the writing the rewriting the reading etc. That's done now and I'm I love it it's an opus it's my magnum opus. Well,
2: I kind of because I want to m- make sure that we have time I have a feeling that once we get rolling we're, the conversation is going to be pretty rollicking and we and there, you have there's ai I I'm going to post links and people should check out all of your work but I especially because of the conversations we've been having so far Let's focus. Let's stay in the realm of Sub Rosa.
3: Okay, instead of going to the other one.
2: Yeah, because I just feel like that's this is yeah yeah this
3: is very Sub Rosa ish. Yeah, yeah.
2: So I want to get to your question, but really quickly, can you give because you've sort of mentioned it, but can you just sort of tell us a sort of overview of the, you said it's about the the American underbelly and what's happened in this country since the the assassination of uh, John F. Kennedy. But is there any other thing that you could sort of give people to give them a sense of what is the overarching story of this or the the way that you approach it?
3: Yeah, I have to because it's uh, – I don't want people to go away thinking, oh, it's a, it's a history book with just some, you know, some characters to sort of carry the weight of the history. No, 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 no. It's about the 60s generation, my generation, greatest generation mm-hmm. in recent history in my opinion. Of course I would, wouldn't I? is the biggest generation i mean the biggest generation ever is what i have read and i wanted to correct newsweek and time magazine's idea of the 60s i did not live just sex drugs and rock and roll i liked all of those i didn't do many drugs because i pretty much quit everything when i was 21 i wanted my own consciousness i wasn't interested in marijuana's consciousness and LSD's consciousness or anything. So so I was pretty pretty aware going into the sixties. I was moving from university to university. And um the the sixties was the meat. I wanted to show that it was one long conversation. It was about philosophy. It was about searching for the truth. It was about Kennedy's assassination done by the CIA. I mean, we knew it from the day one. We knew who had set it up. And uh, Martin Luther King. Uh, you know, when King was shot, I was at University of Michigan in honors. Everything on my top ten trail, and we all walked out. Five thousand students walked out and stumbled out onto the grass and just got loaded for for days. Mm-hmm. And. I had to go to my professors and tell them that I, I had to leave, that I had to go and look for America, because I was just, I was wrecked.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: I, I still had to go and me. look for America, yeah.
0: just, was it, it that was. before the song came out, though? No, right? no, the
3: song was out, oh, okay. and, so, the, and that right. was exactly what it was, right. to hitchhike and get on yeah. buses and, and just go and meet. Who are these people in America where this kind of violence happens? To great souls like Martin Luther King and John Kennedy and then and then when Robert went down that's when I realized that there was a pattern and that's the kind of history writer I am and the kind of science writer as well I look for patterns and Sabrosa America is about seven friends who hardly know each other who decide that uh, because of circumstance decide that they have to go and see where Kennedy was shot it's no longer safe for them to stay in Santa Barbara they're going to go and see uh, what. Oh, they're going to go on the Mother Road Route 66 I mean where else can you meet America so well and they're going to go to Dallas uh, because they they have to see it they have to see where it happened they don't know much in it yet uh, but they know that somehow some things are looking for a couple of them, uh, FBI types. Uh, there's the Bank of America has just burned to the ground and, um, and you know, they're a little on, uh, uneasy because there were a lot of people that were, me included, being rousted out of my bus I was living in and, you know, searching the bus and Slamming me up against it and stuff like that. So, uh, so they take off, and during that trip on the Mother Road, they encounter all kinds of dreamers, dead people, the ghosts of dead people, Native Americans, uh, right wingers who who know that the Warren Commission uh, book is a load of crap. Uh, they're meeting real individuals,
2: and I want I, on I, the road. So. Um, I, I'm trying. I don't mean to cut you off but no, I no, good. but I also want to have to keep things rolling here so uh, now I I'm gonna again I'm gonna post links I'm gonna encourage people to uh, to check out your writing right. uh, all of it and but with sort of with all of that as context do you have a question for the pop Oracle
3: Absolutely what is it <clears throat> I have pretty much run my life, or my life has run me, I'm not sure about the answer to that, as one mission after another. Now, other people seem to run their lives according to maybe career or marriage or raising kids or or being an activist and doing things. I run my life mission after by mission. And the missions often have nothing obvious to do with each other. But it's where my passion drives me. And I've even heard a voice in my living room after years in the Waldorf education movement and starting four schools in Washington State. It said to me, you're done. And I would have kept serving had I not heard from whoever the general on this thing is. Mm -hmm. And I was done, and I felt massive relief because then I could go on to the next mission. Mm -hmm. And that's the way I've done life. Are there many people, have you encountered many people, who understand what it is to live life from mission to mission?
2: So the question is, because I... Don't, it's not a question for me, it's a question for the Pop Oracle. Yes. So are, are there other people who live life mission to mission?
3: Yes. Okay.
2: Well, now, to engage the Pop Oracle, you get to spin the Wheel of Eight. Na, 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 wheel of eight. song number five which is song number five from david rovix is my great grandparents wow
3: oh wow (laughs)
1: parents were refugees, that should be a normal thing to say. I was born in New York City, my people came from far away. They fled the generals and dictators, the warlords of Moscow and Budapest. You could be conscripted for the rest of your life, or you could My great-great-grandparents were refugees, too, just north and west of Brittany. Farmers in the hills somewhere on the starving side of the Irish Sea. They fled their colonial torturers. They fled starvation slavery. They fled across the Atlantic along with millions of other refugees. great-grandparents were refugees, but getting to the other side took such a toll, it seems, that my great-grandfather died. So when his son was a little kid, he grew up without a dad. And that's typical of the hard life so many other refugees had. My great-grandparents were refugees. Let me tell you what that means. They were escaping war-torn lands, ruled by tyrants, kings, and queens. They did not come seeking fortune. They were not pioneers. Leaving home, their hearts were broken. All their cries fell on deaf ears. My great grandparents were refugees, no one taught me that in school. It's dangerous information in the old game of divide and rule. My name is David Rovix and I know who my people are. They're on that raft upon the ocean, they're in the trunk of that car. My Grandparents were refugees. That should be a normal thing to say. I was born in New York City. My people came from far away.
2: And that was my great grandparents from David Rovics. Uh, the answer to Ilana Freeland's question. Yes, there have been uh, yes, um,
0: lots of other people um, make decisions based on uh,
2: living life. Are there other people who live life mission to mission,
0: and that those missions are so often uh, not chosen by people that that uh, I think. I I mean, I would say that um, if we're. If the pop oracle has spoken, then clearly the answer is that uh, <laughs> that uh, the, uh, there's a lot of people in the world. Probably, uh, you know, most people, most of the time, in in certainly the history of the past few hundred years, uh, which is my main area of study, uh, you know, they uh, they have been making decisions, and and their life has been defined by a series of missions that were chosen by somebody else for them. Uh, and and in, in the past century, those those uh, those decisions made by other people that have caused us all to change our lives have included things like the Kennedy assassination and uh, World War One, World War II, uh the Industrial Revolution. And, you know, those are the things that over the generations, you know, people, you know, and we're talking about people living a life, you know, over usually two or three generations and, you know, over the course of that time. You're talking about you know over the course of you know, that could that could include for one person easily depending on when they were born that could have included uh, you know the industrial civil the industrial revolution the American Civil War and uh, you know the, the end of slavery I mean it could include uh, a lot of things in one life yeah
2: so Ilana what well first of all and obviously this is the great thing about your songs they're right they're really right there there's not you know this isn't some like there's not some other st- thing that this song is secretly about. This isn't secretly a love song. This is, you are saying what you're saying. It's a statement of solidarity with uh, with refugees.
0: Yeah, and it's also a story about my family. Yeah. But, I mean, it is uh, definitely, yeah, I mean, mostly it's a story about My family, but it is fairly obviously a a statement about current events.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. And its ancestors. Right. I mean, people are always saying that uh, Euro-derived peoples don't have any relationship with their ancestors. It's just about all I've had is relationship with my ancestors because America has been a big shock to me. I was able to live as an Eastern European in a five square block neighborhood hmm. in Detroit, Michigan, of Eastern Europeans and hear five or six languages a day. Ah, uh, nice. for I, I didn't even go outside America, mm-hmm. to America until I was eight. Did you know Peter Werby by
0: chance? No. In Detroit? Okay. Just no. had to ask because yeah, the sixties yeah, actually... he was very active yeah. and he's also of Eastern European descent.
3: Yeah. So, so that that's uh, to me, being American is the mystery, and I still am that way. I know I'm American. I was born here, but I was raised as a European in America, and it's always given a, a kind of strange taste in my mouth about the Western European derived peoples versus the Eastern derived people uh, of Europe. You know, mm-hmm. I mean that they're very different. Eastern Europeans are mystics. Uh, the men and women. The men kiss each other on the mouth and slug each other and play music and dance together. Western European that's my men... people. That's my people. Yes. Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Western European people are—they are, seemed cardboard to me for years. I couldn't see what they felt. I couldn't—I couldn't feel them because I was raised in Eastern Europe, basically. So
2: bring it to your question of. So the question is: Are there other people? I mean, it makes me think that there's a sense of looking for your tribe, looking for others who are like yourself, right? Like, who are the are the other people? Are there other people like me who live mission to mission? Well, there's also the
0: question in terms of like as an artist. I mean, I'd say, uh, you know, most artists uh, are, you know, or writers or, you know. Whatever kind of cr- creators of content as we call ourselves these days on the internet um, you know they they 're all pretty much living mission to mission or or free uh, certainly you know freelance journalists i mean maybe you could depending on how you define missions, you could say they 're all you know doing art the whole time, so they're they, you know you, if the art is the mission then they 're not changing their mission but i I feel like i 'm always living my life mission to mission in terms of uh, artistic projects. It's always like that.
3: Except that that artistic, well, no. My writing, The Sub Rosa, took uh, a total of 20 years. So, yeah, uh, the time factor is what I was thinking of because Waldorf was 16 years. Uh, Now I'm eight years into the movement I'm involved in now. So, um, yeah, mission to mission, but what came to my mind as you were singing that amazing song, which I thought was amazing as an answer. I mean, I'm just... I'm gobsmacked, <laughs> as the British would say. I uh, I, I really feel that uh, it it was about the fact the mission to mission also is that I am not bound by family lineage. My lineage in this country started with my grandparents, and so I don't have a lot of baggage in a way of blood baggage. I call it. Uh, I'm free. Uh, I'm you know I'm poor. I haven't lived for money. I've always made enough or had enough. Uh, I have. Uh, I live as an artist. Yes, that's true. And I. I live pretty solitary, and um and I. I do see that that's a tremendous freedom. Whatever, whoever's in the White House, mm-hmm. whatever dramas are going on in this country, to not be fettered by um by what the past used to mean, which was bloodlines was all family, and yeah. I've been much freer, and, uh, and I think I've been able to go from mission to mission, whatever it is.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess if, if I was thinking about that song as the answer to the question, I do feel like there. when we're talking about ancestors, there's this sense that we're all playing out dramas that we're not entirely aware of. We may think that we're living mission to mission, until we are at the end and can see a through line or maybe someone else can look at it and be like, Oh, they were consistent there. They were on one mission all along to them. The experience was that, Oh, I have to write this book and I have to create this school and I have to fight this battle with the intolerance and I have to raise a kid and I have to, whatever the thing is. But then you look at it in all in its scope and there's this consistency of like, Oh, they were always focused on certain core principles that, inspired all of them
3: exactly and
2: I, I think when you see people like you talk you think of them as Renaissance people or people who make great changes in their life there is that through line and a lot of that might come from the DNA might come from the grandparents like I, I'm always I always marvel at the, how we're so unaware like I once met someone whose dead mother dated my dead uncle and we were sort of going out a little bit and we didn't know it until our, like our second date <laughs> and there was this sense of like ah this is too <laughs> intense and we can't ask either of them we can't ask either of them we don't uh, like the and how much is that going on in our lives that we're interacting with people who interacted with our our dead relatives and we don't know
3: or people who are, we'll already, know. who are already who are already dead yeah I yeah mean, yeah uh, and
0: people we would just walk by <laughs> on the sidewalk too. like you know if we actually stopped to talk to them how many connections would we find out with or maybe they're like cousins sick to ice removed but you know we might just pass them on the sidewalk once and that's it and you know. That's, yeah.
2: Well, I I want to I, 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 I love having you here, Alana. I've been trying to get you on the show for a while, and we're gonna have you back because I want to have you. I want to be able to talk about your other books. So with this, we this is part one, Alana Freeland, part one with David <laughs> Rovix. We'll we'll do Alana Freeland part two in the near future. But we do have a guest waiting to call, and I I got a little yes. behind. So yes. uh, I'll, I'll post links to the Sub Rosa series. And to all of your books. And do you have anything coming up in February or March that people should know about?
3: Well, strange enough, I have been invited because of my geoengineering um, books, I have been invited to by MUFON. I'm a little leery why Mufon would be inviting me because I'm you not You mean
2: move on?
3: Mufon. No, the UFO group. Oh, okay. Uh, the like major UFO group. Uh and they have invited me to speak on on March 20th in LA. So, uh I will be going to do that. I'm I'm a little uh, trepidation, but uh because I'm I might not be what they think I am, but hey, you know they they see what I am and I'm I'm at the point now where I'm not going to say no because I don't do that. I'm just going to see what happens.
2: Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Ilana. Yeah, thank and, you, uh, Andres. Yeah. Have a great and rest I, of your.
3: year. Your music is fantastic. Oh,
2: thank I you. I was watching her looking at you, David, and I was thinking, that's the way she was looking at Jim Page at that party. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's a great